over 30 to 40 years of my life, I followed a pretty strict routine on Mother's Day. I don't know exactly when I became involved in the routine. I'm sure Dad started it, and at some point the sons took over. But it had to start a couple of weeks before Mother's Day because you had to call the flower shop. Not just any flower shop. You had to call Moore's flower shop. And you had to order the flower so it would be the one. Mom needed, got an orchid every Mother's Day. Not just any orchid, it had to be a big orchid. Had to be border on ostentatious, actually. (laughs) Needed to be purple, mostly. Uh, Mom was really a reserved person. She, uh, being a preacher's wife, didn't show out on anything, but I think she kind of liked a little bit of attention once a year, uh, especially when she could blame it on somebody else. You know, I didn't get this. But, She'd have pretty much the biggest flower, and uh, had to be the orchid, like I said, and come from Moore's. Same every year. Now, the rest of the procedure was the same also. On Saturday, the card was prepared and signed, and I would go to Moore's Flower Shop and pick up the flower. Then go by Mom's house and knock on the door and show up on the day before Mother's Day with a orchid and a card which was the most surprising thing in the world to her. Every year, every, I can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we went through that routine. Um, and it was always too big. It was too much. I shouldn't have done that. It was, uh, but it was the prettiest one. It would be the prettiest one there. She knew that. And we'd go through the surprise routine. Uh, at some point... Toward the last few years, I can't remember if we couldn't get one one year or something like we wanted, but Cindy found a silk orchid, exactly the right color, right size, everything. And so we got that and presented that to her, and that was perfectly acceptable. That was fine. Uh, would save save money every year. It was a a brilliant solution. And... uh, So we'd do that, and every year the rest of the routine remained the same. I'd show up on Saturday with the card, and we'd go in, and I'd say, let's go look for that flower, and it was always the same place. We put it away every year, and it was always a surprise. (laughs) That's the most beautiful orchid I've ever seen. I can't believe this is perfect. It looks real, you know, and we'd go through that. Uh, Same thing every year, always a surprise. Always a great blessing. Moms are like that, aren't they? Uh, Well, some moms are like that. You see, not all moms are perfect. In fact, no moms are perfect. That's why it's hard to talk about moms on Mother's Day. Proverbs 31, the classic chapter you read about the great mother, uh, there's no mother like that. It's just over the top. It's, it's uh, exaggerated. It's the perfect, perfect woman. And a lot of mothers get close. I know that. But also, when you talk about mothers, this time of year especially, there's a lot of loss associated with it sometimes. A lot of heartache 
maybe from the mother's perspective because of a child, or maybe from a child's perspective because of their mother. Uh, Just in the news this week, I paid attention because I was thinking about Mother's Day. Uh, Some maintenance man went into an apartment to work on the air conditioner and found an infant child in a closet. The diaper that needed to be changed. No one home. And they waited a while, and finally the mother showed up, and she said, well, she just left for 30 minutes or so. Didn't seem to be anything wrong with it to her. You see, in 20 or 30 years, that child may be at church, and some preacher may start talking about how perfect mothers are, and he won't be able to relate. That's the truth of the world. So I don't want to describe the perfect mother, or I don't want to tell you mothers to be the perfect mother. I want to tell you what you can see in some mothers. Not in all, but in many. You see, after the orchid ceremony, the thing that happened next was on Mother's Day, and that was the big Sunday meal for the family and to honor all the mothers in the family. And... Seems strange to me always that it was the meal at which the mothers did all the work. But that's the way they liked it. They wanted to do that. They didn't want to go out to a restaurant. Uh, anyhow, at that time, you had to take pictures. You had to all pose for the standard picture. I've got lots of pictures of mom with her orchid on and us around her, and that's what you did on Mother's Day. And it occurred to me, if you look at pictures... You can always see something else in there. If you looked at a picture of your mother, you might see something different. Uh, It's possible to see different things. So I picked four things that some of you might recognize if you look at a picture of your mother because these things are in some mothers. First of all, this may sound a little strange, but you might see a preacher in some mothers. G. Campbell Morgan was a famous preacher around the world, and he had four sons. And all of them became pretty famous ministers. And one time at a family reunion, they were talking, and a cousin asked one of the Morgan sons, said, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? And the son looked around at all his brothers, and then he looked at his dad, and he said, Mother. You see, mothers have the the first and best chance to influence children. Uh, They get that opportunity, and some of them are pretty good preachers. I read a story about four scholars that were arguing about translations one time, about which was the best translation. And one said, well, the King James is my favorite. I love the King James. It's an eloquent language. I know it's kind of old-fashioned, but it's just so beautiful. It's my favorite. second one said, well, the American Standard is just so accurate. He said they translated it so well and it, it's so accurate and the phrases still flow pretty well. And New American Standard is my favorite. Third one said, well, that new one that's out, the ESV, is a really good one. It's accurate. Boy, it's really accurate. Uh, and it's easy to read. It's today's language. And I, I think it's just, it's come to be my favorite. The fourth one said, well, I've always preferred the translation of my mother. And the other said, your mother translated the Bible? He said, yes. 
said, every page she translated into her own life. And it's the most convincing translation I've ever read. Evangelist Gypsy Smith traveled around the, the world preaching, actually, but held evangelistic meetings everywhere. And one time he got a letter from a woman that told him that she was saved at one of his conventions somewhere, and that she was so excited about being a Christian and all that, that she felt she was called to preach. And she said, but I have a problem. She said, I've got six children, and I know I'm called to preach, but I don't know what to do, and could you help me? And Mr. Smith wrote her back and said, I'm thrilled to death that the Lord has called you to preach. And I'm even more thrilled that he's already given you a congregation of six. She got the point. That was who she was supposed to preach to. Um, You can see preachers in a lot of mothers. Second, I think you can look at some mothers and you can see an apostle. You can see parts of an apostle at least. I thought of this because Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.7. He said, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle with you. Like a mother caring for her little children. The apostle used this, a mother's illustration, to describe the proper way to deal with people and with other Christians. And that's not easy. I know the apostle could be pretty harsh sometimes. Some of his writings to people that were out of line, he straightened them out pretty quick. But he told the Thessalonians, he said, we were gentle with you like a mother. And I think you look at some mothers and you see that they've found that that balance, that right balance between being gentle and, and being firm. That's hard to do. But I think some mothers find that and uh, their children are better because of it. I read a story about a little boy that was in his room. The storm was going outside, so he was a little bit afraid and called for his mother. She came in and knelt down beside him and tried to quiet him down and about got ready to leave. And he said, Mom, he said, I'm scared. He said, would you sleep with me tonight? And she said, no, you, you know that's not the way we do it. Said, you know, I need to sleep with Daddy tonight. Little kid said, the big sissy. (laughs) Anyhow, some mothers find that balance of gentle and firm. I think not only can you see preachers in some mothers, I think you can see an apostle in some mothers. I think you can see Jesus in some mothers. Uh, a couple of notable things about Jesus that remind me of a mother. Uh, the first one is that Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, you notice he was always spotting people that needed his attention. He would find people that needed help, those that were hurting. As he walked down the street with mobs around him and multitudes around him, He would look at the side of the road and pick somebody out. Sometimes he'd look up in a tree and spot somebody by the city pool, by somebody even just following him in the crowd. They'd catch his attention. He knew. He he recognized them. And he'd say, even if it was a little man up in a tree, you need some of my time. 
Now I'm busy. I got millions of things to do. Thousands of people to take care of, but you need my attention right now. Jesus was good at that. Susanna Wesley is famous for being a mother of 17 children. She spent one hour a day each day in prayer for all 17 of them. And then she spent special time with each one during the week. And I'm sure that changed as those 17 children changed. I'm sure she recognized that this one needs some more attention today. And that one needs a little less today. And that one will be all right. Jesus was so good at that. And I think a good mother is good at that. The other thing about a Jesus, I think, that is recognized in mothers is his willingness to sacrifice, of course. I read about a mother in the French Revolution who had escaped with a couple of children and hid out in the woods away from the soldiers for two days and ate nothing but roots and leaves and things they could find. On the third day, some soldiers approached, and she heard them coming, so she ran into the bushes with her two children. The soldiers saw some movement there, so they went over and opened the bushes up and saw this poor woman and her two children. The sergeant had compassion on her, so he he got a loaf of brown bread from the cook and gave it to the mother. She immediately took it and broke it in two pieces and gave it to the two children. One of the soldiers standing there, he said, Sergeant... She didn't keep any for herself. Is that because she's not hungry? And he said, no, sir. He said, it's because she's a mother. You know, that happens. Mothers are willing to sacrifice all, some are. Uh, That's Jesus' most notable attribute, I guess, is his willingness to sacrifice. He didn't want to go to the cross. We read the story of the garden and... He didn't want to do that, but he did it. And not just for those that he was close to. On the cross, he did look down. He took care of his mother. He entrusted her to the apostle John. But it wasn't just about his family. He took care of his enemies. Those that were mocking him and flogged had flogged him and all that, he prayed for them. He went through, he was obedient unto death for you and me. He sacrificed because of his love for us. You can see a lot of Jesus in some mothers. And fourthly, I think you can look at some mothers and see a lot of God himself. Isaiah sixty-six thirteen, God said, as a mother comforts her child... So will I comfort you. God uses a mother to illustrate his kind of love. Let me read or try to paraphrase some things that Max Lucado wrote about mothers and God. He said, first of all, moms, I have a question. Why do you love your newborn? And I thought of finding out who had the newest newborn here at Northside and bringing them up on stage and asking this question. But all you mothers know the answer. You know the, you know the story. But Lucado explains it pretty well. He says, why do you love your newborn? Uh, for months, this baby has brought you pain. 
she or he made you break out in pimples and waddle like a duck. Because of her, you craved sardines and, and threw up in the morning. She punched you in the tummy. She occupied space that wasn't hers and ate food she didn't fix. You kept her warm, you kept her safe, you kept her fed. But did she say thank you? Are you kidding? She didn't even tell you that she was coming. She just came. And what a coming. She rendered you a barbarian. <laughs> you screamed, you bit bullets, you tore the sheets. And now look at you. Your back aches, your head pounds, your body is drenched in sweat, every muscle strained and stretched. You should be angry, but are you? Far from it. On your face is for longer than forever, love. She's done nothing for you, yet all you can talk about are her good looks and bright future. She's going to wake you up every night for the next six weeks. But that doesn't matter. I can see it on your face. You're crazy about her. Why? And then he turns his attention to God and says, God, I have a question. Why do you love your children? I don't want to sound irreverent, but only heaven knows how much pain we've brought you. Why do you tolerate us? You give us every breath we breathe, but do we thank you? Seldom. Father, your love never ceases. Though we spurn you, ignore you, disobey you, you don't change. Our evil can't diminish your love. Our goodness can't increase it. You don't love me less if I fail. You don't love me more if I succeed. Your love never ceases. How do we explain it? The answer is found in the eyes of the mother, he says. Why does she love her newborn? Because the baby is hers. But even more, because the baby is her. Her blood, her flesh, her hope, her legacy. And we're his idea. We're his. His face, his eyes, his hands, his touch. Though we may not act like our father, there's no greater truth than this. We are his. He loves us undyingly. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. You can see a lot of God in some mothers. God's love's not normal. God's love's special. It's not human. He, he loves us in all that we do wrong. He sees our sin and He still loves us. If we sin, do we need to repent? Yes, but... It's not for him, it's for us. Maybe you're here today and you've forsaken him. He still loves you. God pictures his love as a mother, but he also pictures it as a father. He pictures a son that has run off from him and forsaken all he taught him, and he says he's waiting at the door. You need to change your life in some way today. Today would be a good day to do it. If you need to come, let's come. Let's stand and sing.